Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I have a special show that I'm super excited to bring you. And actually, my guest today, I haven't really known him for an extensive period of time. But as we often talk about, when the right relationships and the right people come into your life and you go deep, even though we've never actually met physically or in person, I feel like I know this guy like inside and out. And so there's a couple lessons that we can learn in that. You're going to learn some amazing lessons from him today about life, family, faith, uh, business, exits, and maybe even a little bit of uh, first world problems around appliance demons. But uh, anyway, Brooks, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Man, appreciate you having me. That I agree. It's one of those deals where, thankfully, a better friend to you, newer friend to me, with Chris Harder uh, connecting us and you know just putting us in touch with each other. And that first time where we had a a call, I'm like, man, I really like this guy. I don't know why I thought I wasn't going to like you or anything, but like I did, man. I just we hit it off really well, especially when we were able to get our wives in the same call as well and share together and talk. You know, you can just sense in a person uh, their heart and you're pouring your heart out to people every day. So kudos to you, man. Thanks for having me. You know, it's an interesting um, it's an interesting conversation that I've been hearing a lot. And thanks for being on, because I think the more we can do this and help and and share our stories and yours is amazing, um, the better we can have an amazing impact. And you make a great point because I've heard so many conversations lately about, you know, social media and the negative aspects and, you know, just the fact that we live in a virtual world. And I'm not saying that I don't agree with some of that, but also if you're really strategic about it and you utilize it in a proper way, you can really narrow down your community. And I think the more we can narrow down people that are are like us and that energize us and and kind of narrow down that circle via social media, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. Yeah, yeah, well, I think you're right because, well, especially in a like-mindedness that we are, I think it's that both of us are chasing what we've really wanted to build, but those don't necessarily, your perfect world and mine aren't necessarily in the exact same geographical spot all the time. And so this has made it to where we can connect, but we're appreciative that, man, used to, I'd say, yeah, let me get on a plane and go. But as we'll probably talk about now, it's like, no, the last thing I want to be is away from my home and my family. So this is awesome because I love spending time with Mike. And maybe it is to where we're in person together because sometimes there's nothing like you know, face to face, but man, in the interim, this is a really cool way to like challenge each other, grow, expand and push, uh, but still enjoy the most important things in life. You know, I agree with that a hundred percent. And I also think that when we have a virtual relationship, like we do, when we actually finally, you know, connect or spend a weekend somewhere together, like you don't have to, you don't have to spend the first day or two or a week or whatever it is, like, you know, cutting through the fluff and getting to know each other. I know so much about you already that we can just go deep. And I was having this conversation um, with a guy that was at the couples event that actually ended up joining the couples mastermind. And I've never actually even talked to this guy before, even virtually. 
But as he was here and at my house, he said, you know, I was there on episode one and I've listened to all of your face or not Facebook, but um, podcast episodes. And he kept telling me, he's like, the entire weekend, he's like, I feel like I know you already. I know you don't know me yet, but it just shows the power of that connection too. And, you know, neither one of us had an intent today, but I think it's a powerful conversation because so many people are against this. And really you just, you know, that old saying, you know, make hay where the sun shines or whatever, like it is what it is. And, and I just, I, I'm going to utilize it the best I can. So. Well, yeah, I mean, we, I don't want to, you've got some questions that you typically ask that I want to go with, you know, but as we think about, you know, if, if I, if I skip ahead, I've got plenty of, random things they my staff people call me a flea on crack okay i think i've told you it's like i can be all over the place it's like some people would just say this you could dub this the ramblings of a madman you know is in discussions but um one of the uh guys that has such this influence and his this word the sentence that he says is just resounds so much in me and it's erwin mcmanus and he's talking about our relationship with the Father, with Father God, and what does that look like? And he he has this uh, quote that I love that says, we were created to create, we were imagined to imagine, we're both a work of art and an artist at work. And I think if we go to like Ephesians 3.20, where it says, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us, we want to put God in this box and guys like Irwin challenge us to like stretch it and to say, man, you were put on this earth to do things. Uh, as he says, a silkworm doesn't wake up in the morning and wonder what he's supposed to do today. A sheep doesn't wonder if it's supposed to create wool or not. Um, all of these animals out there that we were given dominion over, but humans, we sit and we ponder what we should be doing. It's called therapy. And that's what we have, uh, I think, cracked into a code. Like I was on a plane coming back from Nashville, was with my staff for two amazing days. And I was writing, what does my perfect day look like? Like if I were to craft my perfect day and I put the time around it, what would that be? And I think in the world of entrepreneurship, you know, there's a lot of risk involved that we may talk about in a minute, but ultimately you are given control of your destiny. Now, you may be given enough rope to hang yourself, and that's what you got to be careful with, uh, but you get to control your destiny. We get to control our own time, and I'm just jazzed by it, bro. What does a perfect day look like? Man, so that's a relative question, right? I, for me, I, well, first of all, I would say, what's the what chapter is somebody in to craft their perfect day? And we look at a lot of people, and we, and me, it, it, I'm talking to myself, so we as a whole, but I'm right in there with it as judged people. Um, but I, I love a saying that says, never judge somebody's chapter 12 of a 30 chapter book. You wouldn't judge a book in chapter 12 that's 30 chapters in. But so many times we see someone and we say, man, look what they've done, but we never know where God may use them or where they hit may head. And I had to realize that when I look at someone who I see, their stressors or their time development. And that chapter 10 for them may look different than my chapter 20. What makes them anxious, what makes them go where they spend their time. We host a young marrieds couple every week and it's young marrieds, most of them without kids. We had a rule, no kids. And then one of the couples had a kid. So we kept it going. Now we've expanded it to children too. But um, I say to them, you never know how selfish you are until you have children. And it's not like a rude comment, but it's just reality. You don't know until you know. And you don't realize that like 
hey, making decisions with you and your uh, best friend in the world, your spouse, is a little different than that um, dictator dictatorship two-year-old that comes along and, and establishes where you're headed next. So, man, I, I just danced around your question like a politician of what does the perfect day look like? But for me, um, you know, I'm not the biggest morning person. Well, that's a I've just broke the rule of the book Atomic Habits of I'm 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 becoming better at my mornings. Um, but I enjoy a slower process in the morning and time. And and what I've learned is um I had a lot of older people that had grown kids look at me and say, Brooks, look at what you've done. But remember, little kids don't keep. They say, you know, don't blink. It's going to be gone quick. And so for me, um, where we're at here at our time, at our time when we filmed this, we're at 225 right now. I know that in five minutes, my kids get out of school. And that's super important to me that I've crafted my day to where when they walk in the door, I want to spend some time with them. My most important piece is to soak up something from them because I get 10-year-old Blair with 10-year-old Blair's eyes one time. And she's going to look at dad one time. And so I want to be able to chat with her and soak it up at that point, because as well as you've poured into me, uh, becoming an empty nester and saying, man, you're right, Brooks, it goes it goes quickly. So your day and perfect day looks totally different than how I'm trying to walk through mine. Yeah. So I'm curious um, when we talk about has has it been this way? You know, it's 225 and the kids are coming home. Um, and I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth or, or necessarily jump the gun on, you know, the business you built or the oh, exit you had or whatever, but was it always, was 225 always on the radar? No, no, no. So that's exactly right. So I think that's where, uh, people's walks have been. And for, um, let's see here, I started, I come from the insurance world, most glamorous and sexy thing you've ever heard of in your life insurance. Um, but I started, my father was an agent and I worked there while I was in college and I realized, man, this is one of those avenues that I happened to fall in that could create a really good living for my family. And it was, I didn't realize it was scalable at the time, but I got put in front of another business owner. I realized how scalable insurance was. And then I had no idea how the value that it could present, um, and, and value, uh, to the business world out there because it had a recurring uh, cash flow. And so I just hit it and I was working so hard to build this business. And I was, you know, um, Brody and Blair, my kids didn't really know if dad was going to be there um, on Monday morning or Wednesday because I would leave and I would go to my multiple locations and, and be gone out of town. And then I'd show back up on Wednesday, Thursday. And so, no, it wasn't. I think COVID and the timing of COVID really was a, a settle down for me to realize, hey, um, you better check up because um, kind of that whole cats in the crater and the silver spoon type thing, you're going to do all this stuff and then they're going to be gone and you better soak it up while you can. You know, it's so crazy even just you saying the cats in the cradle. I, Karen and I ran a youth ministry when we were, you know, younger. Our kids were just really little and and we actually did this uh, parent uh, kid banquet with all the kids and and we played that song and I remember like all their parents crying and my kids were just little man and now my kids are adults and and so it goes so fast and I love what you said about you know just you were talking about COVID and the kids didn't know if dad was going to be home and it reminds me um there was there and anytime somebody has a story or they've got a lesson like you know 225 like that anchors you know you're excited for your kids to come home and that's really why I asked the question because 
usually there's some level of experience. Some people would say, yeah, man, it's been that way for me from day one. But, you know, even I, Karen, I can say like, honestly, we were probably more committed, connected, present, um, with our children. And as a family, our kids have seen the world. We ran successful businesses. We have an investment um, portfolio and we were pretty present, but there was some times that I got out of balance and it's those little roadblocks in life that really just kind of check you and bring you back. And I remember, you know, one time, uh, this was early on in, in my construction company and we were doing a Home Depot and a bank and we had like seven projects going on and the business was scaling and it was Kara's grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary in Wyoming. And I was like, I can't go, I can't go. And Kara's like, what do you mean you can't go? It's like 50th wedding anniversary. So I'm telling my partner, I'm going. And he's like, you can't go. I went and then I told Kara, I said, listen, so we drove to Wyoming. I said, listen, after the 50th wedding anniversary on Friday night or Saturday night or whatever it was, you're going to take me to Rapid City. I'm going to take a plane home because the wheels are falling off this thing. So I flew home. And when Kara and the kids were coming back, they were like an hour and a half from the house and her sister was driving and they lost control of the vehicle and they rolled three times going 85 miles an hour. And the kids and my wife end up in the hospital in, in Salt Lake City. And it's just, you know, it's those little, not little, I said little, not little. It's those yeah. little things where, man, when you know you've got to, you know, it's those checks that kind of bring you back to center, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's where, you know, I, I don't want to chase it down for you, you know, but you say something about, you know, what is what if you narrowed it down to one thing, right? That's one of your questions, right? I'll take you to number two. What, what's that question, Mike? Why don't, why don't you, why don't you ask it and then you can answer? Well, it's just, I don't, I can't have it. I don't have it well, the way you say it. So say it, say it. So, cause I'm going to go there. Hey Brooks, if you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what would that be? <laughs> Sorry. I didn't, I wasn't being snarky either. No, I, truly, I, I couldn't remember how you said it, but I was thinking about that and it was how taking risk, but using the wisdom that you've earned. And I think that's so appropriate to what we're talking about is we earned wisdom. And I know friends of mine that earned wisdom and the, the fear that shook them to their core from the learning process of that wisdom caused them to never go back to the risk. Mm -hmm. They shut it down. They stopped. And maybe they just changed course because they thought, you know what, my importance changed. And I realized I don't want to chase this like I did, but I see some people with unbelievable talents they completely shut it down because they earned wisdom and the wisdom shook them so deep that they vowed never to get up and try it again. But that's, that is success for us is I can say it for you because I know well enough you'd agree with me as to myself. We are not the sharpest knives in the drawer. We just got up and tried again over and over and over until we figured it out. You probably figured it out a little faster than I did. I probably had a two, few more swings, but we kept swinging we kept trying we kept going um and so we took the risk and i talked to people that have had these businesses sorry you might hear a little six pound uh, security alarm running through the house um but we took these risks in our lives and that's what was the difference maker for us that's what um kept it scaling up and so I, it reminded me of that because i thought about the the word wisdom and how we've earned that wisdom. And that's how our time, you know, came to look that differently. Yeah. One of my early mentors always used to say he had no quitting sense. <laughs> yeah. And talk about not being the sharpest. I mean, I, I think it takes some, 
it takes some level of like hard headedness to, you know, get beat down and keep coming back. But I love the way that you say that because the people that do keep pushing through, I was listening to, we talked about Chris and, and Lori Harder. I was listening to their uh, podcast just today on Chris's and she was talking about how the last two years of her life have been some of her most challenging years, but it's made her such a better person. And, and honestly, this has been this 2022 has probably been the hardest year of my life. And what's crazy is like from the outside, nobody would know that other than I talk about it pretty openly, but I wouldn't, I've, I've spent a lot of time with Chris and Lori and I wouldn't, I knew, you know, that she was the reason why it's been one of the hardest years is because she's pushing and growing and, you know, developing a business and, and really transforming. It's like metamorphosis. Like when they, when they, I, I mean, I don't know how they gauge the pain, but I've heard them say that when a caterpillar transforms to a butterfly, it has to be one of the most painful experiences like of anything else. And that's really what you're talking about. I want to say one thing, the four questions, I, I get feedback all the time. People love this show because I let the guests go when the guests need to go. And the yeah. four questions are really just kind of a framework in case sure. we need them. So it's yeah, yeah. more of a suggestion um, than a need. So. Okay. Well, good. Well, I I think we'll we'll cover them. It just may be two, four, three, one as we go or something. It's on. It's on Brooks's timeline. It's all. Yeah, good. man. Well, I, it. But I, what I love about the question, so especially when we think about it a little ahead of time, is it just gives you time to think back on stuff that maybe you hadn't thought of in a while. You know, the, some of those questions, it's not like you just carry that in a pocketbook. It's really, you have to ponder some of those things. And it and it gets you to how you got here today. And it gives me such reverence of um, gratitude and acknowledgement that it's on me to carry it for the next person. You just have to be one step in front of the guy following you. You don't have to be the Tony Robbins or the Ed Milets. You just got to be one step ahead. And that was like that small group, the young marrieds that we host when, God, it's just crazy, you know, but like 17 years ago, when we got married. We had a couple that crazy enough is my age now that hosted us that I thought were these wise old sages. Um, and so we realized we got to an age, you're like, sweetie, I think it's time for us to host one because we're that age and we're at that experience level, you know, to host. And and I think about the people that have guided me. And it's like, was there one person that guided in my life? It was just this mashup conglomerate of so many people. And you know what? I bet you would say too, Mike, is some of those people were the, I, I had the least expectation of molding. And shame on me uh, that I would go into that. But there were some relationships that I can answer for you now had some of the biggest impact that I had no expectation that they would have much impact at all mm -hmm. in my life. And, and from the, some of the ones that I knew would, that I would have some business owners that I talked to. And one said, Brooks, the money runs out long before the opportunities do. He knew that I was going to head down a path where it would be there. And you feel like, oh gosh, I got to jump on this opportunity. And he said, Brooks, the money runs out long before the opportunities do. And that's been one that stuck with me. And then there was this other boss where I learned that you could scale insurance. And he said, Brooks, always keep score. He talks about playing golf, never play golf and don't keep score because you never know when you're getting better. And so that was me being a finance guy and a numbers guy, like know your numbers, know where you're at. Because if you're not keeping track or your sales or whatever, you never know if you're improving or not. And then I went to this guy that at the time sold like 40% of his company for a uh, for a couple hundred million dollars and he was going to set up to sell the rest later. And I sat with him and he was in his fifties talking about his kids. 
of which he walked down a terrible heroin addiction with one of his children. You know, like you, it, it, it's not immune to anything, right? He was in some of the toughest years of his life, but he sat with me and we were talking and I was, he could tell I, I would get troubled about being the boss and like, what could some of your employees be saying and that weight of that and the decisions that you make or the life you live or what you post on social media and not, what would those people feel? And he told me, Brooks, your business is this big campfire and all your employees are sitting around that campfire. Now they may be complaining that you use a different type of wood or there ain't enough wood on the fire, but the only reason why they're warm at the moment is because they're sitting around the fire that you built. And you got to remember that at times. And it was a good reminder to me to be like, Hey man, be confident where you're at, have confidence to stand for where you came from. Now be humble, love people, watch out for others, you know, lead with them. Um, But those were like these moments. But then there were these moments I I thought about that question of, I was a uh, spiritual mentor for this group that um, it was building life skills. It's called HopeWorks in Memphis. And um, a lot of them had felony charges or just got out of prison. And this young guy was um, 24 years old at the time, I believe. And he had been in prison for 13 years. Let me think about this. Maybe 10 or 11 years. I think he was like 13 or something. Tried as an adult in an armed robbery case and had been in prison all the way up through there. And and he grew up in a rough area where he didn't have any coaching anyways. But he spent half of his life already in prison. And when I'm there to spend one time a week with him, because I may be the only positive voice in his life because he's got all the other where he grew up trying to pull him back in. And I, I never saw more passion in a guy than in that dude, because you know what? He did not plan on going back to where he came from. Yeah, he it, he was making more money slinging drugs when he was a young teenager, but now he was found himself working at McDonald's on parole. And I got him an interview with a buddy of mine's boss that ran the biggest pest control company in Memphis, and I just got him the connection. He did the rest. And in the interview, I remember they asked him, "When can you?" Uh, quit McDonald's and join me. And he said, well, I need to turn in my two weeks notice. And it was because of Hope Works that taught him life skills to say, hey, you got to turn in your two weeks notice to be respectful of where you came from. You don't dump them. And the guy said, you're hired because you did that. You're just going to dump your job to come join me. And I think about how I can remember that story of a guy that I never expected how he'd influence me. And then there's one other that I got to talk about, which is this guy he passed away his name's Lee Dog. If you like Google Lee Dog in Memphis, Tennessee, there's a, few, a bunch of people that stories on the news that would come up. He was a well-known homeless guy in the Memphis area. And he came, started coming to our church and we got connected and I threw a birthday party for him and all this stuff. And I thought I was influencing him. I was the one helping him. He was the one homeless and I'm the guy that got it together. And boy, was I wrong. There were so many times where it was flipped on his head. But I remember this one time where Lee Dog had a, uh, an ability to stretch a story a little bit. And sometimes it would be a little embellished. And I'd kind of gotten overwhelmed, worn out with it. I'd given him a phone. We'd try to track him down to pick him up for church. You never knew where he was. We were sitting in the Starbucks one night. It was a February night in Memphis. It was cold outside. And Lee was telling me about this other homeless guy that he knew that had been beat up and been jumped and was in the med, which is the main hospital in downtown Memphis, and didn't have a place to stay. He's probably going to stay with him. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, Lee, sure, sure this happened. 
And sure enough, the doors to this Starbucks opened and in walks this dude that like eyes were swollen shut. He had a hospital gown, paper top on. His jeans were bloody and his shoes were covered in blood because he had been beaten so bad. He had no jacket and he had walked like two miles from the med to this Starbucks. And I remember standing outside that Starbucks and Lee standing with him and this guy looking at Lee and saying, Lee, if it wasn't for you, he could, Lee said, all I got is his couch to offer, Lee. And he said, Lee, if it wasn't for you, I'd be sleeping behind this dumpster tonight. Mm -hmm. And, and I realized in moments like that, and I get emotional about those types of things, man, it, you never know whose life you're impacting or like Lee dog, he had nothing to give. I'm telling you, Mike, that apartment smelled like an old shoe of my middle school boy. It was so disgusting, but it was so much to somebody that needed it the most. And those are the types of people that I think about that had the most impact in my life. Wow. It's powerful, man. Told you I'm like a flea on crack, dude. Sorry, I was all over the place. <laughs> it's good. Okay, I'm gonna for I'm gonna put a little pressure on you. If you had to narrow it down to one, who has had the greatest impact on your life? I know it's hard, man. It's Dude, that's so hard. So hard. I mean, in the most years of my life and today, and it's it sounds like a sappy answer, and you've had people in the past say, but it's it's my wife. Um, you know, she's, Lord, we were in high school when we started dating, and there were so many years of my life that I would have felt that she was, she moved out of her parents' house into my house, and I treated it like that. I treated her almost like a kid, because she was 18, I was 19, we got engaged, 20 and 21, we got married. And um, I discounted her for so long. Mm. But over the last years is the ignorance of me opened up and God works. And you see what um, what she's tolerated in me, what foolishness she's allowed to walk through and still stand by my side, even in my ignorance and to stand firmly and believe in me every day. Um, hands down is the most influential person and shame on me for abusing that for so many years and not recognizing it. You know, we're so lucky to have a partner that um, will walk beside us like that, even as dudes where our egos get in the way and we fall flat on our face multiple times. And they're still there to be the one hand to stick out to pick you back up and say, I got you. Yeah. So powerful. You know, my only, whenever, <laughs> cause I, I'm exactly the same. Karen and I are, love the answer and it's true um half the time i'm like how man how did she put up with me and why did she keep me but then when i see old western movies where i see like the indians and the guys are out like on their horses and they're like wrestling buffalo and like i'm like that's why because we're 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 meant we're meant to be chaos we're like cavemen and so that's my only grace i'm like kara it's not my fault like it's not my fault that's true. That's, actually, that's a good point. There was a lady that texted me asking for my new address. And she said, and it was like, she said, no matter how many times you all move, we'll still follow you. And I knew in my Southern passive aggressive life I grew up in that that was like, y'all are crazy. No telling how long you'll be here at this house, but we'll still follow you wherever it is. And she's just my ride or die on that. Honestly, like, if I said, hey, we're moving on a yacht tomorrow, she'd be the first person like, let's go, I'm ready. You know, like she gets restless faster than I do. People ask, oh, that's so cute. You built your forever home. And I'm like, look, nine houses and 17 years of marriage. I just, I got to disclaim that because yeah. I'm trying to reverse it. Because used to, I'd be like, yes, now we'll be here forever. And I'm like, no, I'm too smart to say, 
Probably not, but I'd like to think we're going to be here for a while because wisdom's told me I want to stay in one spot for a while. I'm going to throw a curveball question at you. What does freedom mean to you? Uh, well, so I've, I discovered my most the important my most important commodity is time. Freedom of time, number one. Time's just my ultimate commodity. And so time freedom is the one thing I'm so protective of. Um, but that came out, out of financial freedom also. And how do you get time freedom usually has some affiliation with your with your uh, finances. Um, and then the thing that I pour into more, it's like you go deeper in this is what's freedom. Uh, you know, the ultimately is freedom of grace. Uh, if we ask it from a faith perspective, uh, being grace filled and the uh, weight that that carries mm -hmm. that a wretch like me would deserve the freedom that I have is that but um time freedom is the one thing i'm most protective of when you were scaling your business what did that look like yeah um well i think there's a lot of guys that i've mentored over the years and you know they say that you've got three personalities in a business the engineer the manager and the entrepreneur and you can be a percentage of all of those um in your work and I just was like almost 100 percent entrepreneur. And so a lot of people that I met that are in business that say, Brooks, how did you how are you able to do this stuff with your life but still have a successful business? But I look at them and we sit for a minute and they won't delegate anything. They're like engineers, operators, and they'd rather just do it themselves or, or the quality assurance that they're so protective of uh, keeps them from scaling and. Uh, so that was, I, I think, honestly, uh, the four hour work week was a book I read like a decade ago and I revisited it again recently and realized how much it had an impact on my life that no matter what I did, it was always about who is this work going to be delegated to and who was I going to hold accountable for the product. Mm -hmm. And sure, there were mistakes made along the way by those staff people that I gave that over to, but um, it was, it still was always a heavy investment for me. Yeah. You know, and that goes back to that awakening too, when you're talking about the four hour work week. So I talk about the seven levels of freedom and I'll be spending more time talking about this, but that awakening, you know, when I read the four hour work week, that was a form of awakening for me. And then we moved through, you know, the discovery process. And I think even just back to what you were talking about earlier, you know, that, that risk shook them so bad. So many people peel back. Like I've, I've tried to hire people and it didn't work out. Or I tried to, you know, when I, anytime I leave the office or, or take a vacation or whatever, it's not the same thing you were talking about, like with risk. And I, I understand that that was deeper and more at stake, but that's the thing that peels people back is like when you have that awakening and then you start moving through the discovery process. And you know what? Every time I'm, every time I go on vacation, everything falls apart. Well, number one, like you're talking about atomic habits. Part of that is like you're believing in your language around it. And then maybe it's the right or wrong people. I don't know. Maybe it's a training issue. One of my favorite things in the world, and I'm curious of your opinion on this, um, a bug's life. And when Grasshopper shows up and he wants his food and, and Princess is like, rah, rah, like all the reasons why. And she's like, it's this fault and that fault. And he goes, first rule in leadership, it's always your fault. And I'm just like, dude, that is magic. Like that is gold, right? Man, yeah, well, I mean, I I just was caught up thinking about going on vacation. There was I was in Hawaii, like on a vacation with family, and like a, a big house fire happened. And I only had like a couple employees at the time. And you know that staff person was like, 
of course, it's when you're out on vacations, when this is going to happen, you know, and all this stuff happens and it just forces you to recognize stuff's just going to happen. Like, and what, what's the real, what's the real weight of it? I said this morning, like on this little Instagram story, did you have a bad day or did you have like a bad five minutes? Mm-hmm. And I think that's how so many people are affected. And if they're really going to grow, they get so obsessive about that. And yes, you've got to build the machine and you've got to build the processes around it. But I'm telling you, if I can do it. Anybody can, because like, I'm not good at process uh, and building that out or especially starting out about putting that process together, but I hired my weakness and that's what people got to do. They got to find a way to hire their weakness. And I got to a point finally to where I sacrificed money for time. And I was able to hire more middle management in place to manage the day to day because staff, as long as their needs are being met and they know where to go for an answer, I don't have to be the person to answer those questions all the time. And guess what? The people that are answering the questions are probably better at it than I am Yeah, (laughs) because I hired them away from being professionals at whatever tasks that I tried to act like I knew the answer for. Yeah. You know, and that was one piece that I, it was like, once that time was freed up and once I really didn't have all that weight, I realized actually that I had such an addiction to stress. Like I was so glad that it was over, that some of those things were off my plate, but then you have a identity crisis because you realize, wait a second, a lot of that stress my body was addicted to and, and I seek out the stress and that's what I posted. Another thing about is a lot of people mistaken peace for boredom. And that's where I think we have to be able to weigh is, are you being productive and growing and creating? Like we talk about even our God-given talents, but are you at peace as well? How, what is your cortisol secretion like uh, in your body each day because of how much you're accomplishing? And so you got to get this right if you're going to go a long ways. Uh, or you're going to burn out. It's so true. And I'm curious, as you were talking about that, you were mentioning earlier about the campfire story. And so I've had that in my life where, you know, the the guilt of, or or even not, I don't want to call it shame, but almost like, you, you know, you don't want to be too successful or, you know, you're, you don't want to take too many vacations or any of that kind of stuff. But you said something too, like as you hired people and you hired around your weakness, Have you struggled ever also like with, because sometimes I've thought like when I hand a certain task that I'm not good at or I hate, and I remember it, it still happens to me sometimes today, but as a young entrepreneur, when I would hire somebody and give people stuff, I would feel guilty because like, if I don't want to do it, like, and then I'm giving it to them, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm, I, I feel like I'm giving them the crap work, but in reality, if I'm, if I'm hiring to my weaknesses, they probably don't have it. What was your journey like with that? Or was there one? Uh, so, I mean, I think of one quote, and it can be misperceived in some ways, depending on delivery. But you know, my dad ret- retires on December 31st after being 20 years mayor, five terms in the town we grew up in. It's a town of like 70,000 people. It's not small, but it sits next to Memphis, so kind of morphed by that. But there's a lot of people as a big weight. And I remember my dad telling me early on when I talked about this exact thing, and he said, Brooks, I would tell my staff people, look, if I didn't need you, you wouldn't be working here. <laughs> and so, I mean, he had a way of delivering it, had a little sharpness to it, but it was in a way of like, well, if, a lot of times if you acknowledge it, if you spoke up and you admitted what you just said, they would be like, that's what I'm here for. What's, what are you talking about? Like, I'm learning so much 
from those pieces. And so usually a lot of times that exact thing never gets out. Like we need people like each other to say it. So it comes out of your mouth. You realize how bizarre that it actually is of what you just said. And you can like move on, right? Release it. Um, Because I dealt with the exact same thing so much. um, But then I realized like, they're probably better. Once I realized they're probably better at the task than I am. And as long as I interviewed, right. If they're the right bud in the seat, then that's exactly what they want to do. And if not, then thankfully when I scaled and when it grew, when I told my staff people about working with a private equity group and letting them come in, I said, Hey, I have some of you that are so talented that I'm going to lose to another organization or to you starting your own thing because there's not enough rungs on my ladder. Now that I've got this group, I just added infinite amount of rungs above me so Mm. that I selfishly can keep you on my team Mm. while you still can grow and expand. So good. I freaking love that. You know, and I think you said that, you know, we need each other to have these kind of conversations. But also, I think the I think anytime that something's sharp, like the way your dad said it, I'm thinking of a time and I said this on social media. And it was so sharp, the way that it came into my brain, I ran it by Kara. And I said, I'm, I'm, what do you think about this? And I said it and she's like, don't say that. And I'm like, so I didn't say it for a while. But then I said it on a podcast early on. And I said it on social media. And I've continued to say it, your, your boss will never pay you enough to be his neighbor. And those are the kind of statements that like, there's nothing not true about that. Yeah. And honestly, like it's, it's true. It doesn't mean you can't make enough money to be your boss's neighbor, but it's not going to be probably just working for your boss. And if it is because if it is while working for your boss, it's probably because, you know, you're a commission type salesperson yeah. or because right. you found the thing that we're really talking about investing for freedom and you've learned to leverage the money that you're making in your career. And then you went off and, you know, got investment properties, compounded that or whatever. So while it's a sharp statement and the reason why I didn't want to say it, and the reason why Kara said don't say it is because I had employees. You have employees. Like, oh, yeah, I knew exactly yeah. why. It's like, oh, mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, but I said it. And you know what? I yeah. didn't even told them. I'm like, you know, it, it's the honest truth. Like, if I actually have a guy that I was interviewing a while back, and he's like, you know, I want to make X amount of dollars. And I'm like, I don't even make that much money. But there's probably a way in the organization that you could make that much money. But we're going to have to get really creative here. And the reality is like, I love those types of statements. That thing's going to stick with me forever. What your dad said, that's crazy, but it's true. It's true. Yeah. yeah. No. uh, And I think that was the other piece where we had to learn until you actually really, the wisdom earned by experiencing is when someone leaves you and they create their own business, but they're your biggest cheerleader and they're sending candidates to work underneath you because they give you credit for getting them to where they are. And they would have never gotten there had they not have worked for you. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's like, well, man, I'd rather lose one guy and have five of them just like them come in. And what a testament. And that's the whole piece is like at some point they're just going to it's a it's a testament to you when they outgrow what you've given them. But I got lucky enough to put in a spot to where, man, I can get them pretty high um, unless they just want to challenge themselves. But I have had some leave and go other places. Um, and, and that's, what's so nice is I'll talk to him some, and it's just flattering, you know, and I bet they're being honest to say, Hey, you know, it was because of the things I learned there that I'm able to do what I'm able to do today. Um, and that's the biggest reward, you know, is hearing that. So good. So I'm curious, you talked about the private equity thing, which I want to circle back to that because your story is really fabulous, but I'm curious, what was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? Yeah, if you're going to try to like challenge me to like one moment, 
I'm going to sidestep you like the best politician you've ever heard because I don't have one. And it's like when I thought about it, I was like, man, how lucky and blessed am I that I don't have that? Like I was listening to some of your other people that said it and I'm like, God, that was a, that was a setback. Mine are just like compounded. And I think that it goes back to, you know, the chapters of life you're in. I look at some of those now and it's like, that's not really a big setback. But when I was at that moment, it was a huge setback. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, Years ago, um, I saw this um, boutique that was doing really well. And I came in and I said, hey, what if y'all expanded into some other lines, home decor, men's stuff? And I became an investor. And I like didn't do a whole lot of my research and walk alongside of them. I kind of almost like gave the product and the money and just like was going to let them run it. And it just fell completely apart. I lost every penny of it. And it took me a long time to pay back. Now, twenty or $30,000 today isn't like, oh my gosh, my life ended but at the moment, at the position I was in, that was a whole lot. I remember being in a hotel with my operations, um, ch- chief operations officer, and we got a call from an insurance company saying that we were going to miss out on about like a $600,000 uh, bonus for the year. And the problem with that was we've gotten that bonus every year for many years. So guess what I did as a young business person? I budgeted that money as income. Mm-hmm. And I hired people and spent all that money as an expectation is going to come in the door. So I remember looking over my COO and his head, like hitting the wall, like it's on speakerphone. And I'm like blood draining from my body. We were making a list out of people we were going to have to let go. Like who goes first to, to in order to make up for this? You got to figure out a way to do it. And by that afternoon, we got a phone call that there was an error in the accounting numbers or like how this thing ran. And we actually did get it. Wow. Man, a valuable lesson I learned was don't budget in bonuses, first of all, you know, but how do you plan for that and see it all through? Sometimes it's not even going to be as bad as you even, it appears it's going to be. Um, and and then um, I was trying to think there was, if there was something else, because uh, my wife and I, again, talking about somebody influenced me, we're chatting a lot about some of these things. And and I think one of the other biggest setbacks that we've kind of hinted around, it's not one singular thing, but my how I implore to young married people is to be strong in your marriage, to be strong in your family, because, you know, without the details of it, Satan finds his way into your life. Mm-hmm. And there's an old Casting Crown song that says it's a slow fade. And you you make these decisions little by little by little and you and you lose track of who you are. And some of those culminate in decisions that you make that if they turned out a little bit different, could make your whole life look completely different. Mm. You know, but thank God um, it's stuck where it was or that you have the spouse that you do in those pieces. So, um, you know, protection of privacy in some ways, I don't go down that road a whole lot, but it's it's a it's a real thing that I pour into people to say, what's your relationship like at, like at home? Uh, with your spouse, with your kids, where you're at, because, um, you know, marriage is a tough road. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. What is the single piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most? Um, let's see here. I, I said one of the ones earlier was Erlen, Erwin McManus's quote um, about the created to create piece. Um, and then I also shared Ephesians 3.20, which is what I talk to people a whole lot about. Um, and, uh, so I, I circle back to that cause that's what I had thought most about was that, um, oh, 
here's here's the one other one. Here's here's one other one, and that is everybody's talked about this some way, and I'm sure you've had guests, but I call it the rocking chair test, and that is you're imagining yourself sitting at overlooking some beautiful view, retirement home, or whatever, and your 90 year old self is sitting next to you in a rocking chair, and you're talking with your 90 year old self, and you look back over your life with your 90 year old self. And your 90-year-old self-size decides if the decisions that you made were worth it or not. Or did you really give everything you had? And that's what I do a lot. If you like this journal I have, first of all, I love with journals. Like I write some of it out. I don't know if you can see it or not. But like on the bottom of my journal, oh, maybe you can see it. There's a, there's a date written on it. And it's really smart. Somebody said that. So when I start a journal, I write the start date and then the end date so that up on my thing, I could actually have all of them in chronological order of the days that I've written out. And in these books, if I go back, you'll look to it and it'll be like, um, some of them are like 2019, but it'll say December 1st, 2025. Mm -hmm. And I'll write a, a journal and I'll first write, how old are my kids? How old am I? How old am I? Is my wife? And I'll tell the story about what's happened mm -hmm. since 2019 and where I've gone, the trips I've been on, the beautiful things I've seen my kids accomplish, the stuff, and, and how good is it, does it feel, how amazing it is. And then I'll think about it in today and smile as if all those things have been accomplished. Now, I didn't invent that. If you have ever have been introduced to Joe Dispenza, you would know that breaking the habit of being yourself and becoming supernatural, that book is woven all through that. Yeah. But that's my one piece of advice I tell all the time to young people is write letters to your future self or from your future self to the past all the time. So good. Hope well, that helps, man. Nah, it's so good, man. Um, I'm curious if you got a couple more minutes. So of course. What within the parameters of what you can talk about, um, because this is investing for freedom and Dude, you've built something amazing and you kind of touched on the private equity deal and it's exciting. And I'd love for you to just kind of share, you know, take five minutes and just kind of share what that journey looked like. You know, where'd you come from? Where are you at today? What has it changed in your life? What do you think about it? Because we have so many people in the audience that are, you know, at various stages. Some of them are looking to, you know, leave their job. Some of them are looking to exit their business. Most of them are chasing freedom of some sort. And honestly, like I've said so many times, the day that I sold my business was the best and worst day of my life. Um, I think we can experience the thing that we're looking for on a daily basis, even if we're not there yet. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, your whole evolution and just tell the story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I when I looked at the average insurance agent, it was one dude and like two staff people. And that was like, there's a, a thousand of them out there. And they were that insurance agent would sell enough insurance. And when they got to where they couldn't service enough, they would hire one person to manage that so that they could keep selling. And just in my walk in business, I realized I started seeing because of some awesome opportunities in my life to see people from afar and then go run to them and say, can I learn from you? That there was different ways of doing that. And where I would say, instead of growing one mailbox at a time, I would go by the post office. And so I would go and find this other insurance agency that usually happened to have a probably 65-year-old dude that was like playing golf four days a week and kind of working, but he didn't have kids in the business and all this stuff. And I said, hey, I'd love for you to introduce me to somebody 
that may be interested in being able to preserve their employees' uh, well-being and actually find a value for their their insurance book of business to where they could sell it and where uh, maybe they could get more access to um, more markets and a better process so they could still work kind of, but also finally cash some of that out. If you know somebody like that, would you have them give me a call? And nine times out of 10, they'd be like, hey, I'm, I'm interested in discussing that. And so I did that over and over and over and, and started acquiring these insurance agencies and found diamonds in the rough of staff people um, that were just needed a, a better vision and culture. And, and they grew. And then we were able to departmentalize and have a personalized uh, department, commercial department, financial. And as you're acquiring these, well, first of all, as I'm doing this, I'm not doing this with cash. I got a $20,000 line of credit with a little local bank that would take a risk on me that had a personal guarantee. And then over time, I got this other bank to loan me a little bit. Because what I do is I go buy the business. I'd get them to owner finance as much as they could with a little bit down. And then I'd go to a bank and promise the shirts off my kids back to pay them the other percentage. And that just pop, 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 pop. And then all of a sudden, I find myself with a, a financial institution that specializes in insurance books of business. What usually that means is the interest rate you're paying is way more than what a good money would be is having like the quasi definition of that. And at some point I've had, you know, tens of millions of dollars owed. I remember like, you know, for some people it's way more again, but for me, I mean, like $60,000 payment that you're trying to make. And Oh, in December insurance renewals are way down compared to summer. So you best saved up or you better have a good line of credit to cover you during that. And all of a sudden, um, some people introduced me to this private equity world out there. And that's what I spend my time. I, I it's a story. It's kind of like, I'm the hair club for men president, but I'm also a member, you know, like I represent with that private equity now talking to other insurance groups to see if they're interested in this because I knew enough about the widget and about selling business, about uh, uh, profit and loss and valuations, but I never understood what um, market recaps meant and private equity turns. And and it has so many bad connotations because there's probably been some pretty cruddy ones out there. But we found ourselves in an opportunity to where I was the big hairy gorilla in the room when it came to companies and insurance agents, all the companies wanted to work with our agency because we had, you know, 40 team members and as opposed to most of them had three. And so we could, you know, really bring product. Well, all of a sudden private equity shooting in and man, like I think I'm hot to trot it five to $10 million in revenue. And these guys are 5 billion in revenue. And that's the groups that are coming into these worlds of discussion. And, and all of a sudden it's like, man, that sounds like a terrible thing, but not necessarily unless it's the right group. And I found one that said, Hey, we want you to continue to operate your business exactly like you do it. You built it successfully. We just want to invest in that alongside you. And um, so it was uh, September of last year. So it hasn't been like a decade, uh, but so far they've stepped up to their promises. That is, they've stayed out of my business. Uh, You know, they've run it exactly like I wanted to. And what that gave me is, like I said earlier, a ton more rungs on the ladder to where staff can stay with me. I can scale up. Oh, instead of, this was a year ago, instead of being at 40 team members, we're at 70 team, team members a year later. We're using the jet fuel of private equity behind us to do that, able to pay valuation variables that I would have never paid personally, because that's just kind of a real estate market. The value's gone up. And um, 
And I'm having more fun because I get to focus on what I love the most, which is the mergers and acquisitions side. And I've got team members that love other aspects of it. And so it's kind of like those conversations about Steve Jobs or um, or any of these other great companies is if they were demanding that they're the majority owner of that company, it would have never gotten to a fraction of the size it was today. Like if you do the research and you kind of Google how much does Jeff Bezos percentage of Amazon does he own or Steve Jobs, and it was usually like, I don't know the number, but very fractional numbers, blows you away. And But they were able to build this huge machine because they finally, they did the research, they, they made a smart move and they partnered in with people to help them grow it. And I think that's today where I'm where I am with that and and where it is and what I've also seen now is at our size and volume where it was man it's really really hard for um, a middle middle manager to come in and be able to get the financial backing that it was going to take by capital to to get me out of it one day mm-hmm. it just it just had gotten to that volume and how that would structure and they could do it and esops can be formed and things like that but um now I've got the ability to infuse those management into a um, succession plan that could be five years from now, could be 30 years from now, that they can come in and I get to know that McDonald Insurance was the name of it is way bigger than me. And I had to recognize at some point, there's a lot of like um, humility in that statement. But at some point, it got so much bigger than me that I need to be watching their their backs rather than just mine, uh, my um, ego. Mm-hmm. And give them a place that no matter if, as they said, they had, it was a very sobering conversation with a private equity to say, Brooks, if you got hit by a train tomorrow, we have to be able to replace you. So the compensation around that has to be able to back that up. And I was like, but that's true. If, if I'm not here tomorrow, the, there's still 70 team members that got to get up and draw a paycheck. And now it's fully solid to where they get to do that, regardless of what, um, you know, my future holds. So good, man. It's kind of like that 30,000 you put into that little product store, right? Well, hopefully it doesn't go that route. (laughs) Hopefully it doesn't go that route. Yeah. um, No, I think they did a little more due diligence than I did in that discussion. Well, this has been so good, man. I really appreciate just your your insight and who you are to the world. And I'm sure my audience is going to think the same. So where can people find you, Mr. Brooks? Yeah. So I'd say the most common landing ground would be um, on Instagram. Um, it's the Brooks McDonald. Yeah. I'm that driven that I put the in front of no Brooks McDonald was taken when I went in. So I put the in front of it to like clear the air is <laughs> which one they needed to pay attention to. So the Brooks McDonald on Instagram, um, and the, the Brooks with that, the Brooks McDonald, uh, podcast as well, which is on YouTube, but you can link to that off Instagram as well. Cool. Well, I appreciate it, man. And, uh, look forward to what the future holds for uh, both of us. Man, I look forward to hanging out with you more. Thanks for what you're doing in this and how you're walking people uh, into some of the scariest times of their lives to make it the most fun. Appreciate it. All right, brother. If you've found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.